That's right, that's right, that was great. <laughs> hey, would you guys welcome up Edson Knapp to the stage, Dr. Edson Knapp. We're jumping into the uh, third picture uh, of salvation. Is this going to be bright enough for you? Let's do another one. <laughs> that's helpful. Thank you. Well, now Drew, I'll actually be able to see what I'm talking about. That's right. Well, let me pray for you and we'll jump in. God, I'm so thankful for Edson and the gift that he has been to so many in our church body. Um, really, truly, I just want to thank you for giving him and his family to us for this time. I pray that this morning, God, that you would give us receptive hearts to hear from you, willing hearts uh, to, to respond, to turn faith into action as we receive from your word this morning. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Hmm. So some of you, maybe most of you, I don't know, got the email um, in which I addressed my first argument with my wife. Um, and there was a mention at the bottom of it that I needed to get out of the doghouse. I think I've achieved that this week, fortunately. <laughs> um, and so I won't go through that whole story again, but if you didn't get the email and you want to know about the backstory, you need to get the email, the church's email, so you can follow what happens as we do little sermon teasers, because um, we oftentimes share a little bit of our life in those teasers. Um, we are talking about salvation, um, and we're looking at the pictures that God has given us so that we can understand what salvation is, what it means in our lives. Um, and I uh, received the chance to do reconciliation. Um, originally, we had this whole elaborate plan. I was going to wear a t-shirt that said, got reconciliation, and I was going to come dressed with a tie and gradually take it off until I had the t-shirt, and it didn't come from Amazon. Amazon failed me. So we're just out of luck as far as that really cool idea. Um, but this is a... Uh, interesting subject to me and interesting how God sort of assigns what we're going to teach on because last week um, Aaron shared on, on justification and being right with God um, and it really touched me. Um, I've spent the whole week thinking about his statement, the trial is over. Um, it really had an impact on, on me um, and a part of what I was thinking about in terms of this picture, uh, reconciliation. Um, so what I want to do is I want to kind of take you on a journey today. Um, we're going to start by looking a little bit at the history of what the word means and what, what it is in Scripture, um, and then we'll talk about what it means in, in our lives. Um, so that's kind of the setup. Now, this week was important in our family, and the reason is because this it was the 10th anniversary of Eoab's Gotcha Day. Yoab is my adopted son from Ethiopia. <laughs> and this picture we had printed on a t-shirt and we mailed it to Ethiopia so that he could wear it before he had ever met us because we wanted him to start knowing that we were a family and that he was going to be joining our family. Um, and I want to just tell you a little bit about the story um, in part because one of the pictures we are going to look at this morning is adoption, God adopting us into his family. And since I've gone through that as a person, um, it's, a, it's a good story to, to hear. Um, it starts one day when I'm living in Southwest Virginia, 
and our lives are super busy. Uh, my wife's a physician, I'm a physician. We are kind of going at about 150 miles an hour, barely have time for our whole family and everything else going on. And I walk upstairs into my bedroom and my wife is sitting on the bed and she says to me, I think God is leading us to adopt a child. And I said, uh, we have six, you're crazy. And she was crying, and I was like, uh, no, this is bad plan. <laughs> no, 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 we have to stop this somehow. I felt like all of a sudden she wanted another puppy or something. Um, and then God started working on me. Yeah, I saw you smiley. <laughs> God started working on me, and uh, we were looking at children that needed to be adopted uh, in Ethiopia. Um, we have an Ethiopian connection because my sister was a missionary there. And we found a name that had the same birth date as Renda does. And it just, like, both of us were just caught. There was something about that person. We knew that person needed to be in our family. Didn't really understand why. So we went through a long process. Um, any of you that have adopted a child, you know there's an enormous amount of paperwork and time, and you have to take classes, and somebody has to come and visit your home and make sure you have fire escapes that are perfect, and it's, it's, a, it's a process. But one day we got a call, it's time to come to Ethiopia to pick up your child. So we both made arrangements to cover our practice, flew out to Ethiopia, and uh, they did a very nice job. We spent a week there, and we learned a little bit about the culture, and about day three, we had our first chance to meet our future son. Um, and we were so nervous, so nervous. Um, we had planned what we were going to wear. Renda, let me put it correctly, Renda had planned what I was going to wear. <laughs> And I said, I don't think he cares if we're like super dressed up. And she said, we are going to meet him and he needs to know that we can take care of him and you have to look good. <laughs> I don't know if I fulfilled that, but at least I wore clothes that were supposed to make me look good. Um, but it was, it, I mean, we were tense, we were nervous. And then the day came when we were going to the orphanage and we were going to meet him. And... We stepped off the bus, and we, all the, there were several parents that were there that were going to meet their children. We were all nervous, and they said we were going first. And we're like, huh, huh. And we walked in, and all the kids were in a building. They were watching a movie or something. I don't know what they were doing. Um, and through the window, we glimpsed a glimpse of him. And then they called his name, and he came out to us. And they had told him that he was supposed to say that, I love you. He didn't really know what those words meant because he didn't speak any English. But he came up, he gave us a hug, and he said, I love you, in very broken English. And we just melted. I mean, we both started crying. And, you know, it was just like we felt all the emotions of being an, a parent. And he was going to be our child. He was our child. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, one of the things that we went through was his name was Yoab. Y'all have probably all know him because he plays basketball. He's fast. Um, he got, came by that honestly, of course, um, from us. <laughs> so we, when we first heard his name, we thought his name meant Job. And we thought, we don't really want 
an orphan who's being adopted to be called Job. That's kind of a down name. You know, bad things happen to Job. We thought, well, we'll probably change his name. And so we happened to be at a restaurant, and the waiter was interested in what was happening at the end of the week when he was almost transitioned fully to us. And we also had someone that was with us. It was actually my sister who was translating for us so we could talk. And the waiter talked to Ioab in his um, native language, his tribal language. And he said, oh, no, you have the name wrong. His name means behold the Lord. And we're like, oh, whoa, okay, that's his name. We're not changing that. So his name's Ioab. And he's fast. (laughs) So um, when I was going through this, I wanted to think about the the lies that um, we all struggle with when we when it comes to the uh, issue of relationship and relationship our relationship with God. Um, And I just called them three reflections, things that we struggle with. And we'll talk about these at the end after we've gone through some of this. But um, the first one is this feeling that I don't love God enough. Um, And what we mean by that is, what I mean by that is, um, I understand why God doesn't love me because I am clearly not loving him enough. I understand why I don't have a real sense of God being with me because I don't love God enough. I understand why bad things happen in my life. It's because I don't love God enough. Or I feel alone. You may have a family, but you still feel alone. And I feel alone because I don't love God enough, so I know he's not with me because I don't love him enough. I don't know if any of these strike a chord with you, but they're things that I've struggled with. And the third one is, having gone through those two first issues, I feel bad about myself. Um, It's interesting when you feel bad about yourself, you say, and I sure don't want anyone else feeling happy about themselves. Uh, So when we are struggling with who we are, we really don't like other people having it all put together. So we make snide comments about them, we gossip about them, we rejoice when their lives fall apart. Um, We see this all the time. This is how we all tend to behave as humans. another way of saying it is hurt people hurt people. You all have heard that before. Broken people break people. Um, So we're all struggling with these these issues. And it's interesting because um, the Bible kind of says it this way uh, from from our passage that we're using in Colossians. You were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. And so When I started out life uh, as a young kid, I kind of went through this process of just sort of figuring out life, right, when you're three, four, five years old. Um, And when I was five years old, I remember this so distinctly. We were living in the States at the time, and our neighbors had a beautiful peach tree. And I was told to wait till the peaches are ripe, and I couldn't wait. And one day when the neighbor was gone, I went and stole a bunch of peaches and ate them and was super happy with myself, my five-year-old self. (laughs) They were good peaches. Um, And that night, I had a stomach ache, and I confessed, and I was properly punished by my dad, 
And then at prayer time, I told my dad, I feel like something's wrong. Like I've done something wrong and I don't know how to fix it. And he told me about the plan of salvation, about reconciliation. And we prayed together. And I remember that moment feeling forgiven, like it was gone, the guilt from stealing those peaches. Um, Now, all of us come to God at different times. So we all have different histories, different things we feel guilty about. Um, And I have lots of other things that I feel guilty about besides that. But that was kind of my, my story. But we were, we all start off alienated from God. And it's a painful place to be because God, who made us, who knows exactly how our life should go, who has a plan for us, who has everything set up so that we have a joyous, abundant, marvelous life, we can't participate in that because we are Hostile in our mind. We're alienated from him. We think about things we want. We take what we desire. If we're honest, we don't even meet our own standards, much less God's. And we're kind of stuck at that position. And that's why we need reconciliation. Reconciliation also has a story through history. Um, And it's an interesting story. So I thought we would take a little bit of time and go through it. Uh, It starts in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Genesis 3.8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Of course, they hid because their alienation had started, because they had chosen the fruit that they wanted instead of God. But before that, they walked in the garden with the Lord every day. They had their own time to walk with him and dwell on the day's events and the coolness of the day. And the kingdom of heaven and the earth were together as one before they chose to walk their own way. And so what happened was once they chose they had to go their own way, then they were chased out of the garden because God could not be with them anymore and have that relationship. So in an attempt to be with his people but not destroy them. He had them build the Ark of the Covenant. Um, There was a tabernacle, and we've got a verse here. Uh, Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So his glory went into this holy place, into the Ark of the Covenant, and they could be with God as long as God was contained in the Ark. And one of the interesting things about it is um, that he placed cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, the same cherubim that were guarding the garden so that Adam and Eve wouldn't go back into the garden. So the cherubim are guarding the glory of God. Um, After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, for free this morning, um, I want you to know that Renda and I have been to where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. Don't tell Indiana Jones. But um, (laughs) there's a story, and nobody knows for sure if it's true, but there's a story that when Queen of Sheba traveled from Ethiopia to meet Solomon, they had a child together. And that child became the first emperor of Ethiopia many, many years ago. 
And he traveled to train under Solomon because Queen of Sheba knew that Solomon was the wisest person there was, and she wanted her son to be trained under his wisdom. And while he was there, Solomon, foreseeing the future of Israel and knowing that the ark could be lost, asked Menelik to take it to Ethiopia to preserve it. And Ethiopians know the ark is in that building in Aksum, and Renda and I have been there. Now, it's kind of funny because you, it's a little building, you know, it could be any old building. But Rend and I both, when we got close to it, felt terrified. And I don't know if it's because we've seen the movie <laughs> and we know what happens if you go in there or if it's really there. But I'm just saying, it was scary. <laughs> um, so Jesus, God, was trying to be with his people but it didn't work the way that God wanted it to work. And so there was a better plan, a better revelation that was coming. And of course, that came through Jesus, as we know. Um, And when you look at his prayer, you start to see the Lord's prayer, you start to see it a little bit differently. Um, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he's saying there is that God wants to reunite himself, the kingdom of heaven, with where we are. And it's a beautiful picture as Jesus is praying this prayer of what is about to happen because through Jesus' death and his reconciliation, he is bringing the kingdom of heaven back to earth. And that kingdom will be in each one of us as we are reconciled to God. And we'll talk more about that. I want to read together the the scripture from this morning. It's uh, 1 Colossians chapter 1. You're welcome to follow along. We're going to start in verse 15. Um, I want to give reverence to the word. I think oftentimes we read scripture and it's sort of like, okay, well, now he's reading the scripture. I'll kind of pause my attention, wait till he kicks in with another story or another interesting point. Um, But I want to say the Word of God is the most important thing that we hear this morning. It's not what I say, it's what God says. If we could just imagine like taking the roof off and having God read this for us, that would be the way I'd really love for it to happen. Um, But we we want to come to His Word and hear in our hearts what He says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him... All things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, there's our word, all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So there's, there's this offense, there's this thing between us. And in order to understand the concept of reconciliation, we have to understand that there's a relationship that's been broken. Um, And you all may be thinking to yourself, yeah, I have a broken relationship with such and such. 
We could even stop right now and you could dwell on it and get sort of upset and irritated inside and we'll keep going so that doesn't happen. But when you have a relationship that's broken, you, you kind of wish that it could be reconciled, that it could be healed. Um, and sometimes the brokenness is so deep that you don't want that relationship to be healed. You want disaster to happen to that person or that person because the, the relationship is so fractured. And our relationship with God, because he is holy and we have chosen to go our own way, is that kind of fracture. And so he has to draw us to him. When we start to seek after God, it's because he is drawing us. Um, and we need that, um, that's that reconciliation, that sense of healing of the relationship. Um, and to be honest, I wish I had a powerful way of sharing it. And I, I watched a sermon um, by Francis Chan, and he had an illustration. And I th- said to myself, I want to use that illustration because it's such a powerful way of showing what happened. So I'm going to invite Edson up to come join me, um, my son. Um, and the power of this, this example... That was my choice, too. (laughs) So, welcome. Thanks. Um, The power of this illustration comes from the fact that when you become a parent, your sense and understanding of God's love for you deepens quite a bit. Um, You suddenly realize that this person that you love that came from you gets to choose their own way. And sometimes they break your heart. And you're always seeking the best for them. And you're willing to go through anything for them. Um, And so we're just going to do a little demonstration for you all to help you feel what what God went through. Um, But a few questions for you. So in honor of Ewab, what's it like to have an adopted brother? Well, technically we're twins. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a running joke. But in reality, it's, it's a lot like having a regular brother. Um, we laugh and talk and we do things as if we're the same person. Um, we have a lot of similar qualities, and maybe that's just from living with each other. But um, it's, it's exactly like having a regular brother, except he wasn't there for the first six years of my life. But I don't really remember those anyways. So. Right. Perfect. So the timing was right. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, as I recall, when we talked about adopting someone into our family, you said only if you could stay the baby of the family. Yeah, I, I did say that. Yeah, and you've regretted it ever since. <laughs> Partially. <laughs> um, and people, inquiring minds want to know, what do we do for fun together? Yeah, um, we watch physics lectures um, <laughs> together on the great courses. We're, we're nerds. <laughs> yeah, we're, we are nerds. So, you know, it's interesting. We came to Homer, and Homer is a place for tough guys who go fishing and hunting, and they kill things together and uh, with their sons. And, um, of course, it's also a drinking town or a fishing town with a... No, I can't remember the motto. But none of it works for us very well, but we love Homer anyway. <laughs> All right, so you can go ahead and put that away. Um, I, you know, your mind wanders a little bit. What was it like for the father to watch his son go through what he went through? What would it be like if I 
had to watch Edson be put on a cross so that reconciliation could occur? What would it be like if I had to watch nails put into his arms and into his feet to hear him cry out in pain so that there could be reconciliation? Fathers, can you feel what it would be like for your son to be up on a cross to watch him? Because we know God the Father watched. What would that feel like? Would you fall to your knees and say, I don't know if I can go through this? Would you tremble? Would you cry? What would you do? Could you handle it? And what if, what if the crowd was yelling, crucify him, crucify him? One of the things that is a blessing is that we know that Jesus wanted to be there as much as the Father did. Important to remember that fact. But nonetheless, the struggle that I would feel in my heart to watch my son be on the cross. And to be honest, I think I would take him down. I'd be like, no, uh-uh, I can't do that. I'm not willing to watch him go through that for them to be reconciled. Thank you, Hudson. But God the Father, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, loved me so much that he left Jesus on the cross. And Jesus loved me so much Wow. <laughs> Scott, if you could just arrange that every time I have an important point, that'd be great. <laughs> Jesus loved us so much that as he was hanging there, he said, not get me down, not I can't go through this. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they have done. You see, the love that God has for us is way deeper than we can even understand. It's just, its depth is so deep that no matter how much we study it, no matter how much we feel it, no matter how much we understand it, there's still more for us to understand about his love for us. And I think to myself, God, you watched that for me? How could you do that? I'm not worth that. And he says, no, no, that's how much I love you. That there is how much I loved you. Scripture tells us once you're reconciled, you are free from accusation. When Satan comes to you and says, you're worth nothing, because of these things that you've done, we can say, I am reconciled with God. I've been adopted by him. I am free from your accusations anymore. And Satan, if you don't think I'm worth anything, ask God why his son died for me. You can talk to God about that. Aaron reminded us, as I said at the beginning, the trial's over. And we are reconciled. 
We are holy. We're set apart. You want me to try this one again? Or none of them? <laughs> um, we are... The word holy means more than set apart, even though that's the definition. We think about the Ark of the Covenant and the lore that surrounds it, the stories of it, the men who died because they touched it accidentally. That's holiness. God sees us as without blemish. Perfect the way he wants us to be, and he loves who we are. And he says, here is my perfect child about me and about you when we are reconciled with him. I'd like to invite the worship team up. If we can worship. <laughs> um, there's a wonderful verse in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You see, instead of cherubim guarding the ark, the Holy Spirit is in us, guarding our hearts. Instead of going to a temple to worship God, we can just come to God directly because he's always with us when we're reconciled. And this is the really cool part that I love about what I studied. I have this picture of God coming down and being in the Ark of the Covenant. And if you wanted to see God, if you wanted to be near God, you had to go to that Ark. But after Jesus came and we are reconciled, I can go to Aaron and spend time with God because the Holy Spirit is in our pastor. And we can go to each other, and each one of us has a role to play. Each one of us has a little piece of God that we can share with others. And when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, each one of us carries the kingdom within us. We are his kingdom on earth. We are Jesus to those around us that are broken. When we say the church has a ministry to the widows and the orphans, what we're saying is the kingdom of heaven has come and it wants to reach out to the widows and orphans and touch their lives and make a difference. One of the reasons we invited Ewab into our family was because we wanted an orphan to have a family. We wanted a lost child to have a home. And why did we want that? Because that's what God gave to us. If we go back to our three reflections at the beginning, I don't love God enough. But you don't realize how much God loves you. You know, we didn't send Ewab a little list. Okay, here's your checklist. One, give us daily hugs. Required, non-negotiable. No cheating on any tests that you take ever when you live with us. 
You must do all the chores of the house. We're really bringing you to our house to work hard for us. Right? We didn't have a long list of things he had to do in order to receive our love. As a matter of fact, we know it doesn't work that way. No, we adopted him. We were the ones who had to fill out all the lists and make sure everything was right. And we were the ones who came with love to him to welcome him into our family. It's the same way with God. He's done all the work. He's paid the price through his blood. It is only by what he has done and his love that we are welcomed. It has nothing to do with our abilities or how good we are. Do you feel alone? He is a father to the fatherless. As a matter of fact, he specializes in orphans. Lost orphans is his specialty. And so when you say, I feel alone, I want you to know God does not want you to feel alone. We touch each other's lives. For example, I don't know how to make a really cool cross, so I called Dan, Dan Croft, and he made this beautiful cross for us. So we, we work with each other, we help each other. Oh, and, and Skip is working on the tile in our bathroom. Like the celebrity, the Homer celebrity is fixing our bathroom for us. We all, we're, we're a family. We work together. Sometimes we have arguments. We have disagreements. But we are a family and God has given us to each other. Do you feel bad about yourself? When we start to do what Christ has called us to do, when we become reconcilers for all the torn apart lives around us, we forget about our own failures. When we serve others, we're doing what Christ did for us. We are serving. You know, service means to take the thing that you want and put it aside and instead do the things that someone else needs and someone else wants. And when we do that, we're doing what Jesus did for us. We have to remember who he is. That first verse I read from Corinthians, he made the universe. He dwelt in glory in heaven. He's God, King of kings. And yet he came here and willingly went on that cross so that he could be with you. And now, we are his light. We are the ones changing the world. We are the ones changing the life of our neighbor who needs someone to come over and fix their washing machine. We are the ones who can lay down our life for the people around us. I want to invite you to worship this morning. And as we've said, I've said many times, and I think others have said, our worship time our, that our worship team leads us through is my favorite part of the service because we've gone through a week and lived our life and God has taken care of us. He's met our needs. He's been with us. And this is our time to sing and tell him how wonderful he is and how grateful we are for what he's done. How grateful I am that he reconciled me, that suddenly I knew that I was forgiven. We have communion 
a chance to remember, it's around um, all over the sanctuary, a chance to remember what he did for us, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed for us. And if you have not been reconciled with God and you want to, come on over here and pray with us. We have people that will pray with you. And anything else you need prayer for, we, have, we all have things that we struggle with. There's people that will pray with you. And if you want to give back to God, there's places where you can give your offering. Blessings. <laughs>